Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. My name's Tim, and this is your first time with us. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and uh, welcome to the vineyard. We are in a very short kind of a series uh, which I called uh, Healing Grieving. And a lot of times we don't think that uh, grieving, we don't think of that aspect uh, as it being an actual gift of healing. But uh, I think the scripture is pretty clear that grieving is a healthy part of our life. And, uh, you know, there's no way this morning with all that went on uh, yesterday and early this morning that there is not plenty of reason to grieve. <laughs> And, uh, you know, this has been heavy. I don't know why it's hit me like this, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I thought here, here we are going to talk about Psalm 142. And uh, this happens in El Paso and in Dayton. And, we, you know, our first, our national conference was in Dayton. Uh, the first, we had two, one in Denver and one in Dayton. And so uh, Doug and the pastors there in Dayton right now are dealing with all of this. Nine people killed, like 1.30 this morning. And, so many uh, wounded and in El Paso, 20 dead and uh, 24 or so wounded in the hospital. These communities are reeling. And it's in the midst of this, in the midst of this, that uh, God's people, his church, his people, his glorious people, who carry the hope of a better world, who carry the hope of a kingdom that will come, that we pray your kingdom come, Lord, your will be done on this earth so that we see indeed the will of God, the beauty of God, the love of God, the redemption of God, the peace of God come and rule and reign in our personal lives, but also on this earth as it is in heaven. That's our prayer. That's the church's prayer. That is uh, something that each of us who are followers of Jesus carry deep within our hearts. It's you pray the Lord's Prayer, and every time you pray that, you pray for that peace, and you pray for that love of God to come, and, and so live itself out in our own lives and in this world that it's tangible, and we get to see a taste of what God wants for us, and which will come one day in fullness, which we got a taste from Jesus that we see in his life, in Jesus' life, of what the kingdom looks like, and we pray for that, and so, uh, you know, Grieving, we're going to talk about it. You, you guys can pray for me because I'm, uh, you know, I, I really had things planned out. Um, <laughs> I had things really planned out and then, uh, you know, something kind of rocks you. And, uh, and so anyway, you can pray for me. Uh, we're going to talk, uh, if you flip your hand out over, you'll see the fill in like we have here every week. And you can follow along with me. We're going to read a psalm. Uh, as I said, Psalm 142, we're going to read this together. Uh, a guy named David, uh, some of you may know who David was. He's a very prominent character in the Old Testament. And David was a king, a shepherd boy, uh, a, a worship leader, a psalmist, a warrior, a king. Uh, very human at the same time, uh, filled with foibles and failures. And at the same time, God said, this is a man after my own heart. And uh, so in David, if you guys read some of these stories in here, uh, you'll, you'll see a person who was 
almost embattled, it seems like, in himself at times. And yet, he still pressed through with God. And God said, this is my man. This is my person. And so we're going we're gonna to read this psalm, and then I'll set it up for you, for you a bit. So could we put it up there on the screen, Psalm 142? And uh, yeah, drop back there, Stephen, a second to that. That first, a mascal. I'll explain this in a second. A mascal of David when he was in the cave, right? We we talked about a cave last week, didn't we? Elijah was in a cave last week. Well, we're in another cave today. <laughs> uh, when he was in the cave, a prayer. Okay, let's put the scripture up. And can we say this together? Here we go. I cry aloud. <laughs> Lord, we pray your blessings on your word. Breathe life on it this morning. We pray for comfort. We pray for encouragement. We pray for enlightenment. We pray for a touch from your presence, Lord, through your word, through the presence of your Holy Spirit here today. Holy Spirit, come, fall on us, fill us, speak to us, teach us, comfort us, lead us in the way of lament, Lord, that is healthy, and that is beautiful and at the same time releasing, Lord, of the pain and the sorrow and the expectation. Maybe many of us in this room carry in our own personal lives with situations. Lord, thank you that I, your Bible is very real. It reflects very real situations in people's lives. And thank you that you have gone before us, Lord, and you know what this is like. Jesus, you know. And so we pray your comfort today and your guidance in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is called a lament, and we don't use that word very much, a lament. Like, I don't go, like, I'm just lamenting today. Uh, you know, if you're having a tough time, most of us don't do that. We'll, we'll just kind of be down, right? Just Like, I'm just kind of sad today. But a lament, uh, matter of fact, most of the Psalms are laments. Uh, they're being, there's the heart that is being poured out because things have not gone like you wanted them to go. And you're in a bad situation, and so you're pouring your heart out. And, uh, a mascal, this description that David uses here in Psalms 142, means that what is about to follow is meant to be instructional. And that is that as we read it and as we consider it, uh, it is supposed to lead us in a direction. It is supposed to help us. It is supposed to instruct us in life. 
And then he says a prayer. So it's, it's instructional. And a prayer is, this term for prayer is like it's a petition. We're putting it up before God. We're petitioning God. We're making an appeal to God. We're being taught while we read the psalm. And at the same time as we read it, we are making a petition to God. Like God help us. Things are not where we wish they were. They're not going the way they should. And in your fill-in, I want to point out a few things this morning. And your first one is this, that pain, pain is very personal. Pain is personal. Did you notice David, he goes, look at all the personal pronouns in this psalm. You know, I cry, I lift up, I pour out, I tell, I walk, I have no, I cry, I say, I am, I may. It's like very personal. His feelings about the situation that he finds himself in is very alive in his life. Now, you go over the first Samuel in the 21st chapter and the 22nd chapter, you will find out what is going on with David. David, this young uh, shepherd boy that God anointed and God had the prophet go to and say he's going to be the next king, served in this guy's court, Saul, the king of Israel. Saul, who was just a troubled man, any way you look at it. But David served faithfully in this king's court. And Saul, battered by evil spirits and everything else, tried to kill David. David was as faithful a guy as can be. Maybe you know David from Goliath. Remember that story? Right, this is the same guy, same dude, right? And uh, matter of fact, while he's hanging out in this cave, he has Goliath's sword with him. It's just in the cave there with him. That's the only thing with him at the moment in the cave. And so he has been faithful to the king. He's done everything he knows to do. The king's son, Jonathan, is David's best friend. Uh, and he has done all he knows to do, but this king hates him. No matter what he does, well, he's jealous of David and he goes after David and he finally tries to kill him and he just chases him. And David, imagine how distraught he is in his own heart. Here he has served as best he could and as kind-hearted and faithful as he could and this guy's trying to kill him. Now, the guy's son is protecting David and giving him a way out and uh, giving him a heads up on things and and so David has to run from Saul to save his own life. As you make your way on through 1 Samuel 21 and you get in there, you find out David had to even act like he was crazy at one time. Uh, he went through this village that was really not very uh, welcoming to the Israelites and to, to David. And he had to make like he was crazy in order for them to leave him alone. And he eventually makes his way to a cave. And we get to 1 Samuel 22 and verse 1 is where we read this. And we read that he went into the cave of Adullam. The cave of Adullam. And this is probably a limestone cave. And it's a pretty good sized cave as you'll see by the time you get to the second verse in 1 Samuel 22. Too, because of what happens. But this is where David in retrospect writes this psalm. And this is the situation. And because it is a mascal and because it is a prayer of petition, we're meant to consider the situation that the psalm was written in. And this is the situation. David is abandoned. He's alone. He's being chased. He's being killed. He has no friends around him. He's in the dark. He's hiding out. 
And uh, then he pins this psalm. Last night I was laying in bed and I was imagining being in a cave like that all along. And, uh, and pouring your heart out to God. And this pain that David is experiencing is, is no different than what maybe some of you guys are feeling at certain times and places. When you feel like there's absolutely nobody near me. <laughs> you know, I'm going through what I'm going through and there's nobody. I'm in this cave. I'm alone. It's dark. I've done the best I know to do. I've been as faithful as I can be. I've been a good employee. I've been a good friend. I've been a good family member. And yet they're trying to kill me. And so now I find myself in this cave all alone. And pain is very personal. Don't you love it when someone comes up to you when you're in pain. And they go, you can always try to have another child. Or they come up to you and go, well, at least you have, at least you have a job. Or something like this. Because pain is super personal. Nobody knows exactly how you feel but you. Now, that's just normal. That's a fact. But here's the other thing. You're not the only one <laughs> that is feeling like you do. But nobody knows what you feel but you. And so pain that's what David pours it out I I I you know because pain is so personal I'm hurting I feel alone I feel abandoned I'm by myself I don't know what to do and you know this is one of the things about laments and something that we need to really hold on to is that it's healthy to be able to pour out your pain it's healthy to be able to say it some of us were raised in families where you were not allowed to express your pain. If you didn't like something or if you were hurting or whatever, you had to suck it up, stuff it down, and go on. And so we come on into life and when tough times hit us, we suck it up, we stuff it down, and we wonder why we got ulcers, we wonder why we don't really feel the presence of God, you know, because it's all up to us. We stuff it, stuff it, stuff it. Pain is very personal. Now this is spoken in the third person, this, this psalm, which kind of relates to us that it was meant to be spoken to a group of people, that this psalm is meant to be understood and interpreted in a group of people. So it's meant to be shared, this personal part and this personal pain. Secondly, you know, first, pain is personal. And, uh, you know, those people in El Paso and in Dayton today, things are very personal for them. Very personal. It's not generic. It's not uh, some widespread uh, thing. It comes down to the, being a very personal loss. And so in the church, in our laments, in our moments, in times of grief, it's okay for it to be personal. It's okay for you to go, I hurt. I feel lost. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. Ten times there's personal pronouns used in this psalm. Over and over again. David, a man after God's own heart, pours his heart out to God. Secondly, pain needs a companion. Pain needs a companion. David... Again, says he's all alone, everybody's abandoned him, but then he puts the focus back on who? On God, doesn't he? It is you. 
There is no one, no one, no refuge, no one. It is you. Pain is not meant to be experienced alone. It's very personal. And it's very isolating. But it's not healthy to, to feel it and to process through it alone. David knows that even though he has nobody around him. He realizes there is one who is faithful to him. And um, you know sometimes you can have people around you and you still feel alone right? Sometimes the loneliest place is a crowd. Because you've never been able to open up and say this is who I am. And the church is good about this. You know we, we said last week that you know, we hand out tissues. Um, hand out tissues when people get touched. You know, like we're opening up emotionally and we're like, here, 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 here. <laughs> you know, it's, why do we do that? Because we can feel uncomfortable. We're like, this person's losing it emotionally. This makes me feel weird. Uh, I don't know what to do. Here, take a tissue. It'll be okay. You know, <laughs> like just suck it all back up. You know, it's like we're very uncomfortable with lamenting. I mean, even in our worship, right? I mean, I love excited worship and man giving it everything you got but there has to be a place for lamenting it has to be okay for the church to lament there are some things worth lamenting for and about and it's okay in the church if we're going to be an honest people I mean we have to decide this church is this who we're going to be are we going to be a church like that where you can walk in those doors you can go into your small group meeting and you can actually be sad if you're sad. That it's okay. That it's alright. Is there a place for lamenting? David found a place. David was okay. And he was like the mondo man. As we say in surfing. <laughs> he was like the man. David finds himself in a place where he's like. Man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm all alone. I don't know. I don't know. Jesus you know. There he is in the garden. He knows what's coming. His wonderful, wise, best friends. Uh, he wants with him at his last dinner. And they are there at the last supper with him. And, and then they go to the garden. They sing a song. And they head out from their meal. And they head out to the garden for him to pray and to be arrested. But all Jesus wanted was somebody to be with him. And he tells them, he says, stay here. Keep watch with me. Keep watch with me. What happens? Some of you know the story, right? Yeah, how many times? Three times. <laughs> Three times. I mean, you know, could you guys not just stick it out with me for like just an hour? Like be there with me? You see, pain, pain needs a companion. Even Jesus wanted someone with him. Even though he's got to walk through this by himself. He has to pay the price by himself. He didn't want to walk through that moment in time alone three times couldn't you guys they didn't get it they were just tired they were like hey you know he does these things he goes off he prays <laughs> you know we've seen it a thousand times over the last three and a half years what's the difference you know uh you know and so there they go of course you know peter wakes up enough to slice the guy's ear off eventually <laughs> typical peter you know and uh there he goes what do you think jesus wanted from his friends What did he, why did he want them there? What was the reason 
he's the son of God. He's there. He's walking through. A, I mean, he's fulfilling his mission. He's 100% human too. Don't forget that. 100%. He wanted his friends with him. No one bothered to check on him. His condition. And you know, and I have to tell you. If the closest people to Jesus fail him, we are going to fail each other. Maybe now's a good time to let that go. Because if Jesus walked with guys for three and a half years and they failed him, I think we're probably going to fail one another every now and then. Doesn't mean it's healthy. It doesn't mean it's right. No, it doesn't. It means we're human. And it means we learn from it and we try to pick it up and we go again. David says, there's no one at my right hand. What's he saying? No one at my right hand. It's because the left hand had the shield, right? The right hand had the sword. What he's saying is, I can fight off this part, but this part, I'm wide open unless a friend steps into this gap. There's no one in this gap, in this, at this place in my life. There's no one here to protect me. I'm all alone. This side is wide open and vulnerable. Here I am. And it's at those times where we find out just how deep our trust and our faith is with God. And sometimes I think when we pour out our complaint to God, we think that's a lack of faith. It's not. When you complain to God, you're saying, I believe he's there. You get this? That's healthy. It's a good thing to say, I don't get this, God. <laughs> what the heck? I don't get this. Why aren't you intervening? Why aren't you here right now? And the more you talk and the more you say this to him, the more the reality of God becomes obvious in your own heart. And the more I think he, he's there. He's there. Because if you didn't believe in God, you'd walk off. You'd never, raise a, you'd never say a word. Pain needs a companion. And in this case, at this moment, at this time, in this cave, the only companion that David had was God, had was God himself. And he calls on him. He wants to know why isn't he doing something about things. But he knows he's there. And three times we see in this psalm where David expresses isolation. Like there's no one near him. There's no one that really gets what he's feeling, what he's going through. But he looks to God. Your pain needs a companion. Your third one is this. Pain needs a point. <laughs> pain is personal. Pain needs a companion. Pain needs a point. What's the point? What? This doesn't make sense, God. Why am I in this cave alone when I've done everything I know that's right? Don't you like it when you can understand the reason why you're going through what you're going through? Or you see someone else and they're going through something horrible and you go, you know, I wonder what went wrong. Sometimes nothing went wrong. Sometimes it's living in this broken world that we live in and the kingdom has not come in fullness yet. It just hasn't come. Things are not the way they should be. It makes us long for the kingdom to come. For God to come and set up his kingdom in fullness and bring release to all of the pain. 
Pain wants to have a conclusion. Pain seeks a point, the reason for it. And that's okay. It's all right. It's all right to go, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it when I want a child so bad and I can't have a child. I don't get that, Lord. I'd make a great mom, a great dad. I don't get that, Lord. I don't get it why this loved one is not alive anymore. I don't get that. What's the point in all of this, Lord? That's a part of lamenting. You pour it out. You say to God, I don't get it. I don't get it. And dear friends, it's okay to say that. It's all right. You are not doubting God's veracity. You're not doubting his strength, his sovereignty. You're not doubting that at all when you do that. That expresses a relationship is what that says. I don't get this. I don't. And it's a part of a healthy lament. Pain needs a point. Honesty. I mean, David resolves one thing. He says, uh, he says he can come through this still praising God. And you know how, he says? Because of your goodness. Isn't that, you find that odd in the midst of him pouring out his lament? That now his focus shifts over to God's goodness. But you know what I think? I think that David is suddenly now. He's reflecting back on the goodness of God. What he has seen in God. I think he's looking back on the times with, uh, you know, with his family. When he was a shepherd out there by himself. When he was a young boy. And caring and the songs that he wrote. And the times God interceded. And the times the prophet came to him. And laid hands on him and said, you're going to be the next king. He's reflecting on that. He's reflecting on Jonathan's friendship with him. That God had supplied a friend in the midst of all of this. The king's son who wanted to kill him. The king, his own son, Jonathan, is his best friend. I think he's reflecting on now. Oh, yeah, wait a minute. Here, here's God's goodness. God is good. I have seen his goodness. Here it is. And so, whether there's a point to it or not. Seeing God's goodness in the midst of the pain is a part of us getting through the pain. Is realizing that we just sang these two songs about God's goodness. Now, you are good. Sometimes you sing that through tears. Sometimes you sing that through loss. Sometimes you go, you're good, you're good, you're good, and you're suffering an amazing challenge. You go, you're good, God, you're good. Because I tasted this. I saw this. I've seen you do that. You know, the older you get to, they're pushing journaling again, all right? The older you get, if you write down the times God has been good to you, and you hit these moments of the cave experience, you pull those journals back out, and you go, Whew. on May the 1st, 1971, you came to a dingy hotel room in Atlantic Beach, North Carolina, to a guy who had been to church maybe twice in his life. And you revealed yourself to him. You can do that again right now, Lord. Look how good you were to me. Look how good. Look how good. You write down the goodness of God. When you're in the cave and you're all alone. You're looking for purpose. What's the point in it? But then suddenly it shifts over to God. 
you are good. David cannot find a point, cannot find the reason why he has to hide out in this cave. But uh, he has found a purpose in that he says this, that I may praise you. Isn't that strange? Why am I in this cave? David finally goes, so I, so I can praise you. So I can praise you. I want to praise you in the middle of this cave. You know, I don't really, this is harsh to say, but I don't really trust people that don't walk with a limp. You know what I mean? People that haven't been, got a few scars, got a few questions, got a few, I don't get it in their life. But those people still see the goodness of God. And they still love Jesus. And they pray his kingdom come and they press in. You know, what does David do? I think he keeps the main thing, the main thing. Uh, And that is that, these are your last two fill-ins. And that is that he says, here's the purpose behind my, my lament. That I may praise you. That I may praise you. If we are indeed the people of God. If we have indeed been captured by Jesus. By his love. His redemption. His keeping power. then there is some kernel. Deep within. Even in the midst of the cave experience. There is some kernel of hope. That is still alive. In there. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Right? You know, some of us have been on our faces before God. Weeping at three in the morning. Going, what the heck is going on? I don't get this, God. But then at the same time, you feel this strong sense of, how can I say this, stability. In the midst of so much that's up in the air right now. There is something holding on to you. Something that has you in the palm of his hand that you realize is secure. That is the love of God. That is what sustains us through these times of lament. It doesn't mean we go happy, slappy, clappy. Wee! You know, I just lost everything in the world. Hallelujah. (laughs) You know, my kids are like burning my house down and rebelling and You know, hallelujah, Jesus is good. That's not what this means. There's a lament of pouring out. You know, they would wring their hands. Do this. Wring their hands. Israelites, get down, throw dirt. I mean, it was a full body experience. Worship should be. Worship, dancing, clapping your hands, raising. But so is the worship of lamenting. It's a full bore experience. Oh, get this off of me. Get this off of me, Lord. Oh, take it, God. Take it, take it. I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want this. Take it. And in the midst of that, the kernel of love that God grabbed you so long ago and he saved you and he held on to you in the midst of all that, that kernel begins to blossom. And he goes, I've got you. I got you. I've got you. I've got you. Jesus on the cross Father, why have you forsaken me? Had he forsaken him? Just a few hours later, three days later, things are going to (laughs) change. Right? And things are going to change for all of us. Believe me. Sooner or later. 
things are going to change. And it's in the midst of that, of putting the focus on God. And that's what David did. David puts his focus back on God. He is good. Because I can praise you in the midst of this. Recall his goodness. And look at the last verse in this psalm. Is, is, I think it's kind of funny. Um, you know, he, he says, set me free from my prison that I may praise your name. All right? And, and then it goes, then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. Now, what, what is he talking about? Then the righteous will come. Well, if you go over here to, the second, to 1 Samuel 22, which is the story, look what happened. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam, right? When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those, this is not the crew you wanted, but here. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. Do you see what happened? It seems like it always comes back to this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And who? Your neighbor is yourself, right? Because it starts about putting the focus on God and then it goes to others. Immediately goes to others. Even in the midst of the lament. And I love this. God sends him like people who have extreme credit card debt. <laughs> That's his crew. Well, I'm all alone, God. Why isn't somebody here? And then all the credit card debtors come in. You know, here they come. They're like, we're with you, David. <laughs> you know, you look around and there's a bunch of, you know, look around you and there's whatever. You know, the kind of people God does give him. I mean, it's like the disciples with Jesus. Really? God, this is the best you can do. I mean, <laughs> you know, God is up to something in the midst of all of it. And in the midst of all of the pain. And so the last one is others. You're keeping the main thing. The main thing is him, God, and others. Because in the midst of the pain and the lamenting, God will bring other people around you. You've heard, you've heard my story before. But when we lost our grandson that my surfer friends took an offering up for me to bury my grandson. I was in a cave. Dark cave. Dark. Who comes in? Well, it was a pretty good description for Samuel 22. Or one and two. Those are the folks that come in and gather in the cave with me. And they are there. And in the midst of that, what are you doing? You're putting the focus on God and they're watching this too, and they're seeing this too. And they're watching what a tough time it is, and you're being very honest. Like, I would rather be anywhere but here. But he's good. God is good. Did I tell you about the bear? Did I tell you about when I was a kid? Did I tell you about this giant that I you know, took on one time? Did I tell you about the prophet fighting me when I was just a little runt out in the... And did I tell you about that? It's okay. To lament. There are things worth lamenting. It's okay to be in a cave at times. God led Elijah to the cave. I believe God led David to the cave. But he didn't leave him in the cave. He met them in the cave. In Hebrews 12 2. We read this. Author says. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The pioneer. And perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Do you get this? In the middle of the pain, there's something on the other side of it. 
for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And then he's finished, right? Sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's our Lord. That's our Savior. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. So that, why? You will not grow weary and lose heart. He's a good God. Let's pray. Lord, our hearts do break for those, Lord, in Texas and in Ohio this morning and My prayer for months now has been, Lord, where are the peacemakers? Where are the peacemakers? Where are the peacemakers? And so we lift up, Lord. Lift up Doug Rowe. I lift up the vineyard there in Dayton. All the many people in El Paso. And we say, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. For those of us suffering loss in our lives here in this room, right now we're walking through a very dark place. We feel alone. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Bring your spirit, Lord, now. Let the Lord know, like if you're going through something, if something's heavy on your heart, we've got a few more minutes here. You just let him have it. Just tell him. God, I don't get this, God. I don't get this. But I know you're there. I know you're good. You love this world so much. You, you came and you bled and you died. You endured the cross for the joy that was before you. Let me see that joy now, Lord. You see it. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.